0: North Shore photographer Mike Prickett is a two-time Emmy Award-winning director of photography that the surf world is lucky to claim as brethren. It's impossible to imagine what surf media would look like without Mike's decades of contributions, and I could sit here and list all the credits. There's 20-plus years of shooting competition for the ASP, surf documentaries like Step Into Liquid, Riding Giants, Billabong Odyssey, feature films like X-Men 2, Soul Surfer, and Chasing Mavericks, but those credits only acknowledge Mike's camera work. They don't account for Mike's influence and innovations in the space, contributions to the craft that create best practices for safer ocean cinematography, improved rigs and methods, dynamic fresh angles. Through each phase of his career and perhaps each individual project, Mike has innovated and improvised solutions for ocean cinematography. When Hollywood wants to shoot something water-related, they rely on him. So we'll get into some of that through this conversation. But what's most impressive about this story is that both his entry into photography and the reinvention of this last decade of his career were the results of two different, very near-death accidents wherein doctors told him that he may never walk again. Mike's work and his life is lived pushing the limits, pursuing his passion without perceived boundaries, and redefining expectations. Mike's production company, Salt and Air Studios, was also responsible for streaming last month's Eddie Aikau Big Wave Invitational, the historic day that it ran, and then they even live streamed the Free Surf two weeks prior when the event didn't run, and they did that via Surfline's platform. So that's where we're going to enter this conversation. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and this is my conversation with Emmy Award-winning photographer Mike Brickett.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah, Surfline is, is I think, the perfect streaming partner for surfers because they do know where the waves are going and and where the the best surfers are at. And they are notifying them, you know, like on these different spells. So, yeah, they do have a really good platform for doing that. They, um, they reached out to me. I've, I've known them for years. I, I know Sean Collins that started Surfline, and we've been talking about all these crazy things a long time ago before he had passed away. And... It's nice to see Surfline just keep going to, to the point they are now. Um yeah. be an amazing company. A lot of great people are there. Um so they're they're really they're really fun to work with. So it's kind of cool. Um they're, they're understanding because they kind of they know all the all the ups and downs of you know getting to locations in time and all the and all the you know the weather and all the stuff that comes with it. So so they're definitely a perfect partner and um they reach out to me um to see like I was doing some like backdoor shootouts and different things live to see if I would um, partner up with them. And we got together and we decided that we were a good fit together. And so we're um, basically looking for big waves all around the world. And whenever it gets really big and good, we race there and we shoot it live. Um, we just had a, a swell, um, Eddie cow warning swell, just a, probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit less than a month ago. They called it on and and then it wasn't quite good enough, and they called it off. So, we, but we did shoot it live that day, um, and it came out pretty good, actually. We uh, we we did everything you know they wanted to, and and we, we did a pretty good show, which bled right into the actual Eddie cow that happened a week later. Um, and then it, and and that was like the best Eddie cow ever, that and it was the best coverage ever too. So, we had the biggest ways, best coverage, and, and we did that all within a, about a forty-eight hour notice. So nice. it was it was super stressful, <laughs> for sure. Cause live is stressful, but um, we pulled it off. I think um, working with the surfers and surfline, it's it, it's a perfect um party because I, we you know all, everyone's been doing this for a long time. We kind of all know what needs to be done. So the surfers, you know, they they have their input on like what they think, and the, and surfline and everyone kind of listens to each other, and then um, we're able to come out with great products.
0: Yeah. So watching The Day the Eddie Didn't Run earlier in the month, I really had an epiphany where we kind of talked about it, I think, on the podcast over the last year or two um, in theoretical terms. But seeing it actually play out, it, it, uh, it was phenomenal to be able to watch a live surf session of the best surfers in the world doing their thing and not having the contest format kind of imposed upon it watching the live events, surf contests, the WCT events is also really cool for its own reasons, but to strip away a lot of that contest format and just allow the surf session to exist, but still be able to watch it live was an epiphany for me. Like, man, this is going to be a game changer if they could pull this off around the world at Cloudbreak or Mulligmore or wherever it happens to be, which again, they can, the only element that's missing is getting that production crew activated. And so it made sense for you guys to be able to activate because you're based on the North shore, but how practical do you think it would be for Surfline to be able to do it around the world? Would you be able to fly at the drop of a hat and bring the crew and all that sort of stuff, or would they need to implement local crews?
1: No, we, we actually are going to do it for them around the world. Um, oh, okay. So, so yeah, we're, we're already set to do that. Anywhere in the world that goes, we've been watching Nazare, uh, Nazare, Tahiti, all this stuff. So kind of, we're kind of finished with the Northern Hem- hemisphere. Now we're starting to focus on the Southern hemisphere and we were trying to focus on it last year too but it just didn't quite happen in tahiti so this last waimea swell was the first chance we got to actually do something in good conditions yeah but but we are um yeah with it and a drop of a hat we're ready to go fly anywhere in the world and do it live for them and i think the next place will be in tahiti um so it's it is tough forecasting a swell and then getting all the gear to these locations and then having everything you know. Play out good, but I think we're very well prepared. We've been planning it for a while. Um, and with today's satellites and all the new toys and stuff, um, I think we could do it. So, um, right now uh, we are looking at Tahiti next.
0: How do you juggle that? I mean, I, I would imagine you have um commercial film shoots that you book long time in advance. So how do you juggle those two schedules?
1: It's really hard, actually. Um, like, we we kind of put aside part of our company for them the entire okay you know, for uh. Or it's a few years that we're just basically waiting for waves so so people are just on on hold basically the whole time just waiting for these waves and there's gear and everything just set aside for surf line so that's the only way to do it is to be have it ready we can't you can't just you know jump into it like half-heartedly it's yeah. you know it's it's interesting what you said too like say I, I actually did the um used to be the ASP before as the WSL and I did that that tour for almost 24 years myself um I was a water cameraman traveling all around the world and And it's weird, like, you know, like pipeline and stuff like, I mean, I grew up here in Hawaii in the North Shore. And whenever pipeline's good, you could never surf it because anytime it's good, there's a contest there. And these Mm -hmm. 30 people get to surf this beautiful wave. And then the whole people that live right there on the beach have been surfing their whole lives. Whenever it's really good, they never get to surf there. And it's what I think is so interesting about Surfline's ideas. They're predicting these good swells and they go there and they don't bother the people. Anyone who is out there surfing, it could be a little teeny 10-year-old kid that's been charging. He gets to show his stuff off. And, and it's it's really interesting to talk about all the local people there and let the local people have a chance to surf and, and let them get noticed by being on television or, or having something live done. It's like a it's kind of like a live documentary just unfolding yeah. in front of your eyes, which is super exciting. I just got done doing this hundred foot wave with HBO yeah. and we chased big waves around the world and and this is kind of like that, but live.
0: I agree. I think it it's a whole new, again, it was an epiphany moment for me where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an entirely new surf experience that we're going to have as viewers. You know, it'll be adjacent to contests, but in a lot of ways, it's better than the contest because it's a more accurate reflection of the way that surfing exists in the world. Where, of course, whenever I paddle out, you know, at the pier at Huntington, there is somebody who stands out that day who is clearly the best surfer in the water who, quote, would have won the contest if it were a contest. Yeah. So I'm almost, I feel like that'll be a natural evolution of the what Surfline is doing. Implementing, you know, uh, the comment stream where us watching can leave comments. They could easily just plug in a button where we can live score rides the day of or something like that. And by the end of the day, there could be a tally of who we deem is the best winner. Uh, or the best surfer of that day, or whatever it happens yeah. to be. Highlights yeah. package after the fact, you know, like they could actually hype the swell, or the streaming part portion of it in advance, like they do a contest to get marketing kind of value out of it. Stream it the day of you get a lot of cachet out of that post production package as well. And it exists almost like a contest does in the life cycle.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's actually nice not being a contest. And it's, you know, not, not having scores and just like, you know, like a regular contest, when you go surf, if you go out to surf the pier or somewhere right now, you got to deal with 40 other people and these people paddling around. All this. When, when you go to surf a contest, there's two people out. So it's it's not really true of how you would deal with a regular way. So, you know, in a real world, you go out there, you got to deal with the crowd, you got to and you got to stand out through all these people and figure out. So it's kind of neat to see something that gives everyone out there. little bit of attention and the notoriety and then and it's it's dealing with real world surroundings yeah so it's 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 fabulous I and I I really like it and and we're only doing really well-known spots we're not coming up and doing any secret spots it's only places that are like blown up and like pipeline or white man so it's not like we're like upsetting other surfers but I do think it is a yeah it is an epiphany because it's like it's something that needs to be done and I think something will come out of it like some little kids going to get noticed or like people can get sponsored because they're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to have a, th- their chance on their home break. So it's, it's cool. You know, even talking to like, when we go to places we can talk to the grandparents and they're like worried about their little 10 year old kid out there surfing and and just see all the motion. It's kind of neat to see real people doing it. Not these same 34 surfers or 33 surfers that you see every single time. Yeah. It's kind of neat to see all these new faces. And, and then sometimes on those things, one of these, top surfers may be paddled out and surfing amongst this regular people. And it's nice to see, you know, a Kelly Slater surfing with whoever it is. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I think it's going to go very well.
0: Uh, Yeah. And congrats for getting that. I don't know if it's a contract or what, but getting that deal with Surfline, because I think you are the best positioned to do it. And so, um, but it's also perfect timing for you to be kind of at this level in your career where you can just slide in and fill that void for them.
1: Yes, yeah, cool. I mean, we we have all the toys, you know, because we do all the big films, you know, from the biggest movies, and we and then we also do Magnum PI and all the TV shows and is and stuff like that. So we have these specialized toys that we would use on the movies that we just so happen to be able to apply to these films, like these these gimbals and all these toys. So we've been able to um, make the show quite interesting, I think
0: yeah yeah the yma day was phenomenal in terms of the angles and everything um but my awareness of camera angles is really limited actually to you know shooting i understand shooting from the shoreline aerial shots water photography where you're actually swimming obviously there's boat and jet ski angles um now we have board mounted cameras too with gopro and all that sort of stuff but where are the innovations happening um is there anything that you've dreamt up that we will see kind of implemented in the future yeah,
1: yeah we have these um remote control jet ski cameras so they, so it's a gimbal on, on, on the back of a jet ski wow we control it from like two miles away but we can get it in really crazy positions and the gimbal is like it it's gyro stabilized so it's um the whole jet ski can be bouncing up and down going like 40 miles an hour and this camera will be dead steady and it has a rain spinner. So like, you know, see like in the w cell, those guys are picking up a camera and it's all shaky. And yeah. this is like, like you're on, you're on land, but you're actually in the water in the midst of this when you're getting this really cinematic feel to, to the um, show. So I think that's never been done before properly. So I think um, with our new toys that we bring into the table, people are going to get um, some jaw-dropping views of what it's really like out there.
0: So, um, how, you have not implemented that yet in any production um, no, that have I, seen?
1: I, I used a little bit, like the very first one I, I used um, at uh, that 100-foot wave I did in Okay, Oh, okay. That was, we just started that then. But okay. since then, I mean, technology is changing so fast. And this is just okay. like three years ago now. It's changed. So, now we have a waterproof gimbal that's got like slow motion and all that, everything. And to, before it was like... It was like a prototype, and now we've kind of moved from the prototype to the real deal. And so now with the real deal, we can actually put the camera underwater. We can let a wave hit it. We can undersling it from a full-size helicopter with a seventy-foot line, and and bring it and let and let hundred-foot waves land right on the camera. And what? so it's 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 it, no one's ever seen it before, but it'll bring people. The audience will be out in that water, and my hope is for having the audience basically be holding their breath watching these these waves happen live right in front of their face. So I, I, I'm I, excited to kind of bring our movie expertise into the live world.
0: So the gimbal is the innovation itself. And then the remote controlled jet ski is a different technology.
1: No, they're they're built together. They're together. Okay. Um, yeah. So so, so, yeah.
0: so do you have to bring the jet ski then with you around the world? Y-
1: y- yeah. Well, no, we can use other jet skis. Uh, so okay. the, the jet ski itself is not. It, i i misunderstood that. the jet ski is not remote control it has an operator but it's the gimbal behind it so oh, you know, okay. so so you have the because you, you need someone to judge the waves and all that stuff so that gotcha. you, have, you still have a driver but he's right in the midst of so he's like on the waves riding with surfers and the gimbal is getting a shot that you could never do before because it, the camera would be it's basically hanging on for his life so i'm gotcha. um, sure i can send you some photos and videos of some of this stuff too if you if you, if you want but i'm not sure how. oh yeah you guys do that in your podcast because it's pretty much just talking, right?
0: Yeah, it is. But we implement that stuff, and if it's okay to be shared with the public, we can, yeah. you know, uh, use it for social media to promote the episode and all that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll get to Hundred Foot Wave and kind of current projects, but let's go yeah. back to the beginning. Uh, you said you grew up on the North Shore. Did were you born there? How did your parents end up there? All that.
1: Um, I, 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 I grew up on the east side of Oahu. Um, oh, okay by Sandy Beach.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: then I moved to the North Shore after I graduated high school. And then um, and then I' just been doing you know since um, maybe 1979, 1980, I've been just doing surf photography um, from the North Shore and just just couldn't leave. so I still do it there. you know, I was on the world tour for a long time during that time as well. So I was traveling all around the world, but it's always nice to come home to the North Shore. you can't beat it. you know the seven mile mil- Miracle is it's pretty un- unbeatable.
0: Totally. How did your parents end up on Oahu? <laughs>
1: um, my dad was working out here for Jimmy Pfluger. and then so I just, I was just following along. You know, as a young kid, just enjoying it. And they, um, everyone left here. I'm the only one left. In my whole family, um, oh wow, on Oahu, so they everyone left quite a while ago. But they come back and visit and stuff all the time. But um, yeah, I I just stayed because of the waves. Everyone else, like, you know, they moved to California or Texas or colorado or whatever but i i stayed here and i still enjoy it i I do go visit them every once in a while and stuff but i i I do love hawaii
0: yeah i mean what luck to be born there
1: yeah and it's good you know i i got injured a while back and so i've I've been i've been golfing for like some of my therapy and i can golf almost every day over here like my brother's in colorado he's like oh it's snowing and so he's got to wait for the summer and so for me i think it's the perfect plus i like waves i like constant waves and we have waves big waves in the winter and then smaller waves in the summer and then and plus we kind of go wherever for the surf line thing. we're chasing big waves everywhere so I don't ever miss my waves or nothing but I do love my golf to do you know three 365 days a year
0: yeah that's amazing um you remember your first introduction to surfing
1: yep um I lied to my my, girl, my, my sister had a boyfriend he was a surfer and I foolishly, like as a little young kid, I can't remember what grade I was in, like, I don't know, eighth grade or something like that. And I, I seventh grade and I just told him, well, I can surf. And then, so he took me out surfing and we went out to San, I mean, at, at Makapu, um, this place called Suicides. And I mean, he knew immediately that I couldn't surf. Probably as soon as I got on the pad, board I was paddling and then I just, <laughs> I just got destroyed. And that part way through, I'm, I had to say, no, I'm sorry, I lied. I can't surf. And, and, then he's, and then he's laughing because he brought me to like a really hard place to surf. If you've never surfed before, it's rocks everywhere. And So yeah, that was my first introductory to surfing. And then not since then I've been um you know surfing my whole life.
0: What was your introduction to photography?
1: Photography. I was I was in um high school and I um I had my first job was at Kohala Kai photo service and I was taking pictures of tourists getting on the Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor cruise boat. I take pictures of tourists there or, or pairs sailing or windsurfing and and they take pictures of them and they would um they'd make a keychain or whatever and sell the picture back to them so that was my first introductory to to, ph- to photography and um and I, and it was fun i got into it a little bit and then i and then i got paralyzed not paralyzed but i, I got um in a car accident and i broke my legs and then um in, in the meantime of my recovery the doctor said hey i should swim a lot and at that time i I was just taking pictures of tourists on land and I thought, and as I was a surfer, so I said, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll um, put my camera in a water housing and swim and start taking pictures of surfers for my rehab and that's kind of what got me into the water. And then I, um, and then I just fell in love with it and I've been doing that ever since.
0: How old were you in that car accident?
1: Um, I was, God, maybe 18. Okay. I broke my right leg in 33 places, my left in seven. So I was in a wheelchair for a year. And then they, I couldn't really walk. And they said, the best thing for me to do is to swim. And so I didn't put all the pressure on all my broken bones and stuff. so I started swimming with my camera. And then I loved it. And then next thing you know, I was, you know, taking pictures of all my friends. And then I, I just continued to do it. I got bored. Then I got bored of shooting stills. And I started shooting, um, you know, super eight films and 16 millimeter films from the water. And, and then it and it just blossomed into the career I I still do today so I'm gonna what just, was I'm when you were
0: 18 thing. and you had that accident what was the doctor's prognosis did they think that you would walk again or
1: they said it was, i mean a good chance i wouldn't walk properly again okay um, or you know walk again so yeah i was you know they weren't sure if i would walk again or not and then um, it wasn't as bad as the the accident i've just had recently which you know i can i now i can't walk but i um yeah it was like a i wish i could come back um, from the, my latest injury like I did my last injury but uh, I don't right. think I'll, I'll have the fortune of walking normal ever again.
0: Um, whose surf photography was kind of important at that time that you were kind of discovering it was there any leads that you were following or anybody working locally that you could kind of uh, mentor under and learn from? Uh,
1: yeah you know there was like you know Dan Merkel and Don King and stuff um, basically you know, Bruce Brown was basically, you know, he was, he was doing all the the other movies back then, way back then. And then I, I kind of really looked at Bruce Brown. And then I, um, Don King is a friend of mine. And I kind of just like, and Merkel, Dan Merkel, we kind of all just, we all just kind of messed. And back then there was, there was a very small handful of guys that did what we did, Larry Haynes. Um, we just lost Larry just recently, but he was a really good friend. So we all kind of, there was a small group, maybe five of us around the world that would travel and we got paid very well and just travel around the world doing our surf photography and and now it seems just like there's like millions of guys out there trying to shoot everyone has their iphone and this and that but back in the day you know when we were shooting film stuff there wasn't hardly anyone doing it so it was kind of cool back then You could have a camera for like 20 years. I had my SR2 camera for 20 years. Now you buy a camera and you put it in housing and then it's outdated (laughs) in like a month, you know? So it's just crazy. And back then you'd shoot film and you'd have to wait two weeks to get it back. And it was a whole different ball game compared to nowadays with the digital media and all that stuff. But it's cool to see this. I mean, only in a short lifetime, this has all changed from film to digital to, I mean, it's social media. Back in the day, I remember i take people's film we'd we'd go travel around the world and i'd be shooting film but maybe brian bielman or tom survey they'd have their rolls of film and they would if i was whoever's going back first we'd take everyone's film back and try to get it into the get it processed so they could get it out to the magazines first right but nowadays it's like instant it's either live what we're doing now or guys are shooting it and then within you know 10 minutes 15 minutes it's already the surf line or these people electronically sent you know so it's, it's definitely changed time to change and it's 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 fun and it's also scary. Gosh, with this AI and all this stuff coming up, you never know what the world's going yeah. to have.
0: Yeah. Well, it certainly feels scary in the moment, but you've it seems like just kind of watching your career from the outside, it seems like you've always adapted. Like you're on the early, you're on the cutting edge always it seems.
1: Yeah, it seems like the ol- the only way to really keep up with the world is to adapt um with yeah. your, the new technology. Like if you try to fight it, I think you're just going to you're, you're going to lose because it's just, it's, it's happening. And I mean, the little kids, everyone's, they're getting involved and they're, they're, they're learning from a long age, young age. So if you're not getting into your iPhone and the computer, and all these things, I, I you just get left behind. Yeah. So I've tried to adapt to it the best I can. I mean, even my daughter goes, Oh, dad, like, and they're just, doo, 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 and I'm like, Oh, so, you know, the kids are amazing, but um I think by adapting to it, 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 it immerses yourself to force, you to move on to the new equipment and the new technology just keep up with the world and and it's kind of exciting because like like we just came on this new gimbal and underwater you know it's waterproof we can take it up and we can do anything with it and that's just like you could never have even thought of that in the past it's just like it's just right. it, it seems like some i mean i feel like jetsons is like happening you know like guys with their self-driving cars and you get your your watch and it's got all this it's crazy it's just like Even talk to people. I mean, it really feels like, you know, like beam me up, Scotty. Like, you know, like the world is, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. I think adopting that philosophy of embracing it also makes it exciting. Like, because if you were just stuck doing the same thing over and over, you'd probably be bored with the work really, really quickly, you know?
1: Yeah. I think you'd be bored with it. And so you'd get left behind because I think that the young kids are coming out with these new ideas and new techniques. And it's not, far behind them taking over your job or, or you, you know, as we get older and if you're not like in their world then you won't even get or understand what they're doing. So you got to immerse yourself into all the stuff and just go for it. And and it's exciting. You know, at, at first I tried not to, but then I just, you know, went for it. And I, and now I'm just enjoying it. I, I can't wait to see all the new things. I've kind of, I, I feel like I'm techie, but I'm really not. It's like all my crews. I have a really good crew around me that really, can help me with all the they're, they're young guys and they they're really yeah. honest so yeah if it wasn't i guess it wasn't for the my crew uh, um i wouldn't be as advanced cuz i i, I owe it all to them really they they're, they're the, the true masters
0: i like hearing that i think that's great advice i think for myself and a lot of people i think delegation is a really really tough thing to embrace yeah. and uh but yeah the most successful people i know say exactly that they're just like you know what surround yourself with people who are better than you at each individual task, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can only do so much nowadays, you know, and then and just like, you know, if you focus on one little thing just be really good at it, but you can't do some people yeah. just try to do everything. And then no. it, it looks like you're trying to do everything, you know? So, totally. Yeah.
0: Um, well, one of the most impressive, I think uh, adaptations that you have made is continuing your career post um, paralyzation basically. So, If you don't mind, let's go ahead and talk about that incident on March 14th, 2012, what exactly happened and uh, what the result was. And then we can kind of talk about some of those adaptations that you've made in order to continue doing the work.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, in March in 2012, I just finished making a movie called Chasing Mavericks with Gerard Butler. The last week of filming that and I went to Tahiti um, and I was doing a commercial in Tahiti and... While we were filming, I saw this guy in trouble, a, a fellow diver that was stuck in a down current. And he was, and it was a 12 knot down current. So it was like eight to 12 knots. It's basically like a, a waterfall underwater. And he was stuck in this waterfall, just going straight down. He was 220 feet when I got to him underwater and still going down. And I, we had to swim out of the current because he was kind of trying to swim against the current, which you can't do. You got to swim sideways out of it. So I swam him sideways out of the current. And then and he had no air, so I gave him my air, and we were going up, and and we were supposed to make a safety stop. But before we got to the surface, about 112 feet underwater or something like that, we just ran completely ran out of air. And so we should have made, like, a, a long safety stop right there, and we actually had no air. So there was no safety stop after being down 250 feet or 220 feet, and then we had to just race straight to the surface. And then we were on a really remote island called Rangiroa in Tahiti, and... Uh, so I tried to go back down, and with new tanks, and so we could re- decompress down there. But um, we came up, and I, I had my nephew was with me, and I said, "Hey," while they were getting us set up to go back down. I'm like, "I can't feel my feet," and then, then I go, "I can't feel my legs." And next he said, "My eyes just rolled back in my head," and I went unconscious. And then there was no going back down then. And then, um, so basically, it took him about six hours to get a plane to me. I I, I came conscious back in like five minutes but they had to keep slapping me around for like six hours to get a plane and really low and fly me really low over the water back to Papiette. so if you go high the pressure would um, make it even worse so the rescue plane came and got me brought me back to Tahiti and at that time I was paralyzed from my neck down and then um and it was really tough and then and I was in the hospital thinking gosh this is going to be pretty hard there, and then I made an IMAX movie in Tahiti, and this guy, Baptiste, he was a safety swimmer of mine there, and the day after we did the IMAX movie, he broke his back at Chopo, and he, um he's, and he's a complete paraplegic there from the waist down, and he was sitting next to me in the bed, and then he's talking to me, telling me how he coped with everything, and then, and he goes, hey, did you just move your toe, and then he goes, try to move your toe, and so I looked at my toe, and I moved my toe, I barely moved my toe a little bit, and that he goes, oh, my God, I could never do that. So that kind of spurred this excitement in me. And I, from that point, kind of tried and tried. And then I got, you know, I slowly. Now I'm paralyzed from the waist down. And I and I, I was in a wheelchair for years. But now I just use crutches. And I just force myself to hobble around. And, and I'm slowly getting stronger
0: who was the other diver? Was it somebody that was on the production crew or was it just a random stranger? Yeah,
1: it, it, was a, it was a guy that was part of some of the, the commercial crew, but I never, I never knew the guy. I never met him before. Okay. That it was just some guy from Canada.
0: Gotcha. But,
1: um, and, but it's just like, you know, people say, why did you help somebody? It's just like, you know, if you see an old lady fall in the street, you're pretty much going to go out there and try to save her. And you're like, Oh, this car's coming!" I mean, some people may not, but I mean, I would. And I think a lot of people would do exactly what I did. It's, I, I thought we could have made it, but um, I just we did well i i, I survived I, if if we didn't survive it would have been a bummer but i survived and um i i just had a baby grand my daughter had a baby so i'm a grandpa so i'm, I'm happy to be alive
0: good no that's wonderful um what's his condition what's the other the he, didn't get, condition?
1: He, he didn't get hurt that bad because he was sucking up the air and i was sipping the air because i was oh, trying wow. to make him conserve and he was just in a panic you know his eyes were this yeah. big and so he didn't get that hurt but what's you know, and then when I was paralyzed after that, you know, I thought for sure there's no way I could ever work again. And then right. after that, I slowly got a little bit better, and I loved what I did. I've always loved what I did. And then that's, I mean, I, I think that if anyone's really looking for a career, if you can just find something that you're passionate about, you feel like I mean, I never felt like I worked a day in my life. I, I couldn't believe, hey my god, I can't believe people are giving me money to do this. Yeah. Um and I wanted to figure a way to continue to do what i'm doing now and and then I, then that's when i i thought about doing the gimbals because gotcha. it's like playing a video game you're just sitting there i think you got a thing and you got these joysticks and you're got a screen and the, and you're controlling this camera and um so um you know um paraplegics and stuff they could they could do this and so I, I i bought a gimbal just out of the blue and started going for it and we started doing helicopter stuff at first and then i realized hey we could do this off a boat and then turn it upside down. We're doing off of boats. And then now we've brought it all the way till we've invented our own system and we're doing remote control off of jet skis and stuff. So it's definitely developed and it's kept me in the game. Like I I don't, I feel like if you get really injured and you just give up and you sit down and watch TV every day, it's just going to take a toll on you and you're, it's going to be harder. But this kept me out in the game, kept me out in the field. I'm doing, you know, Magnum PI, Hawaii 50 0 is These gigantic movies, any any movie you've ever heard of, pretty much we're doing. You know, from the biggest of the biggest movies to the little commercials. But we use these gimbals, and it keeps me out there. It keeps me busy doing stuff every day, and I think that helps me a lot um, mentally to not dwell on being paralyzed. Yeah. Um, And I just and I I just and I I put a camera on these um, underwater um, scooters, and I'll, I'll send you some pictures of that as well. But it basically it goes like. Twenty knots. You can jump out of the water like a dolphin, but it has a camera on it. But I can control that too, and we just use that for Avatar for the new Avatar movie. We did. So it, it's it's still I'm still stoked to be involved in, in filmmaking and using these things. And, and even though I'm uh, paraplegic, I I enjoy it. Yeah. Are
0: you operate? Are you yourself operating the underwater scooter? Yep. Amazing.
1: Yep. And so you, you can go 140 feet deep, and you can come shooting around and zipping around and do all this stuff. So I, I do all the operating of that and, and, and I love it. Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I wonder, you wonder if um you would have ever gotten to the point of innovation with gimbals and all that sort of stuff, had you not had that incident, you know, not been required
1: yeah, I to. So I, I think if I, if I never got paralyzed, I never thought I would have, because the gimbals, you know, the, the initial purchase of a gimbal is like $400,000. I don't, I don't think I would have ever like really went out and took a loan out and got the money and, been that motivated to get a gimbal um if I didn't get injured because I would have just continued to doing my regular waters you know swimming in big waves. And that was I mean that's what I did before just to sh- try to swim in the biggest waves I could find and then and now I I just bring his gimbals out and go in waves that where no man should be.
0: right. absolutely um back to the incident itself just to clarify on some of the details. when he and you met him at 220 feet down, how much time does it take to get to the surface from that depth?
1: Well, it should take quite a bit of time because, like, you know, you, at certain levels, you make safety stops. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it should have been twenty minutes or something. Oh, right? okay. It, 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 because of the safety stops, but we, but since we didn't have safety stops, we are getting up to where we should have been doing our first safety stop. Um, we'd already um, run out of air, so there was. It was like, yeah, what should have took it a lot longer. Was, you had no choice because you can't do a safety stop when you're just out of air Gotcha. Um, even the best free drivers they can hold their breath for six to nine minutes but you still couldn't be doing a safety stop at that holding your breath because you need to be breathing and
0: yeah know. so the actual um what occurred was severe decompression sickness essentially is what it is correct yep exactly and and what happens in your blood or with the oxygen
1: yes yeah, basically bubbles in your blood and, and that, that are expanded and then and it's what happened for me, it can go through your brain, and it can, like I could have been brain dead, but luckily for me, it went into my spinal cord, and, and 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 the air, instead of having blood in my spinal cord, I had air, and it and some of my spinal cord died in areas like spots, little spots all over, died. so I don't have a cut in my spinal cord, I just have these dead spots. Gotcha. So I don't know, maybe down the road, um, something will come back, I don't know, like, a lot of people have said, oh, I should get a surgery of this or this, and I'm, I've I've been very careful not to because i'm thinking maybe you never know what technology like you know how fast these scammers change like um something may change and i don't want to cut off something or something that might be useful down the road so i'm hoping you know something will pop up but if not i'll just keep chugging away doing what i'm doing
0: gotcha so for people who have experienced that it, it kind of affects everybody differently essentially
1: yeah yep. okay. it, it all depends on yeah you know, that, that day and that just i mean it's just there's so many different variants it could have gone to your brain but for me it went to my spinal cord which is good because i mean I, i'd rather be paralyzed than messed up in the brain you know what i mean yeah yeah sure my wife may say i messed up in the brain but it's, <laughs> i feel like i got it all
0: there <laughs> yeah <laughs> that can be for different reasons too yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> um so when the what the doctor's obviously. uh What is what was their prognosis initially, and what is? I know you said you're doing golf as part of your therapy, but what yeah. is their recommended therapy?
1: Um, like just exercising, lifting weights, you know, like walking. Basically, walking is like the main thing. Trying to walk as much as I can. Yeah, and, but it's hard. You walk around the block, and, you, and after a while, you get bored. Like any, it's really hard being like when you're, you're paralyzed, trying to train and get better when you don't see any you can do something for years and you don't see any change. Like, Hey, I'm yeah. like, if you do something like, Hey, I feel like I'm getting better and I'm getting better. But when you're, if you're paraplegic and you do all this stuff, but nothing changes, it's, it's saddening and it gets harder and harder to continue to do that activity or exercise that you, you don't feel like you're getting a lot out of. Right. And then for golf, I, um, cause I was walking around the block and it's really boring, but golf you're out there and it's kind of fun. You know, at first I gave my clubs away and I didn't think of golf. And then, then I realized, I could golf a little bit and and, and I, I, and I'm not scared to fall in the golf course. It's all grass. Like if I walk around the block, I'm scared to fall, but I go golfing. I I go by myself even a lot. And I know even if something happens, the next golfer will be finding me pretty soon. So it gives you like a little bit of peace of mind and it's fun. So I do it all the time. I was like hitting, you know, like over a hundred, but now I'm in the mid eighties. I I, occasionally even break 80 golfing. So I go up with my crutches and a lot of times I bet with people because they think, Oh, this guy's pretty bad. And after a while they're like, Hey, wait, you got to count that. So it's, it's, it's become a, a passion of mine. And it's, I turned the, this workout routine just just walking into a passion. So now I'm like, dying to go exercise or to my therapy. And I can't wait. And I never had that feeling like I want to go there so bad and exercise and do this. But 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 now I see my golf improving. And I actually feel like I am getting a little bit better. And I do think it's um, due to golf a lot, a lot due to golf
0: that's amazing and it really sounds just from hearing you talk about it it sounds like so much of the healing is um motivated by your mindset by your you know the desire the optimism all that stuff yeah and,
1: and i think so because if, if you don't have the desire no matter who you are it's like it's hard to like motivate yourself but the more you get excited about something and i mean uh, i mean like even today it's raining I because if not i'd be out there golfing or something you know yeah. and and, but it's really hard to be like, Oh my God, I can't wait to, I mean, I guess there's guys that can't wait to go to the gym and work out this, you know, and, and for me, I guess I've never been that gym guy. Yeah. Or so, so I still do to go to the gym, but I've, I've never been the gym guy that gets like, you know, there's, I mean, nothing against them or nothing, but that they're really into it. And, and they're all muscle bound. And stuff. I've always just been a surfer and do my stuff. So I had to find something that I, I could use my legs, walk, do my walking and then not be scared to fall and do the twisting and bending down and, golf is like the perfect thing. I'm not sure if you golf at all, but it's it's definitely a, a game changer for me. And I think um, anyone that's in my situation should try it.
0: Good. it's great advice. Yeah. I, I know even I've heard clinical studies and doctors talk about um, with cancer patients or just all sorts of different things that how much optimism and kind of will affects the result. Yeah, so, I mean, get,
1: to, yeah. I think you have to have that will and the excitement because then you, you want to get better. Now I have a granddaughter and so I'm so yeah. excited to like watch her and stuff. And I don't want to, you know, at first when you get hurt, if you're just laying there on a couch and watching there, you, you start getting fatter and weaker and then yeah. your mind just starts going. And then, and then you just go into these weird dark places and you just, if you can snap out of it and do something that you enjoy. And it's like, I mean, now I've been entering tournaments, I'm golfing like all the time. And Sweet. I just got some golf balls with my Saltner studios on the side of it yesterday i'm like i'm all into it so i just feel like if you can if you are get in if you do get injured if you can find it, anything like that that motivates you and and keep you going in your mind because it, it's it's a lot in your mind too it's it's hard when i was when i got hurt i was laying in the bed for a long long time and then finally the day came like oh like i'm gonna get to walk and I'm, i was like i can walk and when i got up there and realized in these parallel bars and realized that i couldn't walk it's pretty hard to accept that all of a sudden that Hey, you can't walk, and then it's kind of you're gonna be like this pretty much for the rest of your life. It's it's hard to like swallow, you know, and then yeah. and then and then once you do kind of like swallow it, and, and if you sort if you can figure out a way to motivate yourself to do, you know, like I I I say golf is really good because there's other people go on there, it's all grass, you have other golfers there can help you. Um, it's I think it's a really good thing, and actually with COVID this last time too, I think a lot of Younger kids, I've seen them starting to golf now. So I, I do think a, a lot of younger people are starting to get into golf. Yeah. So I don't know, it's good. You can golf till you get old too, you know? It's not like you're playing football that you're done. Like you can golf till you like like 80, 90 years old and still golfing.
0: You know what the best deal in surfboards is? It's the blem rack. Board builders are meticulous, they're perfectionists, and that's great because you get beautiful, flawless surfboards. But it's also great when you need to save some money. The blemishes that end up on retail blem racks, they aren't structural, they aren't going to soak up water, they may just be as small as like a razor blade cut into the foam that just soaked up more resin tint so the color wasn't uniform, or maybe a nick in the factory that got fixed and resanded. Well, Real Water Sports has made a home for these blemished boards from the board builders that they work with, and they've also discounted them anywhere from 5% up to 43%. So, some of these brand new boards are selling for less than 500 bucks when you consider those discounts. We're talking about Rawsons, Christensen's, Sacles, Ipas, Smith shapes, totally epic boards with minor blams, deeply discounted. And this is just one of the many reasons that I love Real Water Sports. So, go to realwatersports.com to peruse the inventory, click the surfing tab, then click the surfboards on sale tab. They will ship you a surfboard for one low flat fee wherever you are, whether you're in the continental US, Australia, or if you're on a boat in Indo and you happen to have broken all of the boards for the trip, they've actually done that. They've replaced somebody's entire quiver, shipped it to them on the boat. So their inventory is only matched by their customer service. Check them out, realwatersports.com. free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply what's your relationship like with surfing since the accident
1: yes i mean i can't stand up but i i have a, a paddle board, so i can still catch waves and so i just can't stand up but i um yeah i still go in the water a lot um, i swim a lot um so I'm still out there and I and I still go out in the you know gigantic days, even like the Nazaré and my man so I go on the back of the jet ski I I film from the jet ski um but I don't I don't swim in gigantic waves like I used to cuz my I don't have my legs don't work and when I need yeah. them they they wouldn't save
0: me <laughs> Gotcha Well speaking of Nazaré um huge congratulations on your second Emmy you won most recently for outstanding cinematography for a nonfiction program for 2022. Of course, director of photography for 100 Foot Wave. So, congrats!
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I was, I was, I was excited about that. It was, a, it was a, it was a very cool series to work on. The people were cool. Um, the Television Academy, they're, they're awesome. Everyone's HBO. Everyone's really awesome to work with, and it was a great show. And it just the whole vibe of you know, trying to get this big wave in Nazareth. I I know Garrett since he was a young kid. So I had all this archival footage of him. Yeah. So I knew when we started putting it all this together that it, this was going to be a good story and it turned out to be fabulous.
0: It really did. I absolutely loved the series. I thought it was the best thing done on surfing in a very long time.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a cool project to work on because it, it, you know, Chris Smith is a good storyteller and he told some really cool, stories about all the different people and all the kind of stuff so he he just done um uh what's it the tiger king tiger king yeah right before and um and i was watching tiger king i saw his credits so i called him i go did you do tiger king and he goes yeah i did it right before you i'm like oh no because they they had everyone mic'd up in tiger king and they had me mic'd up and the whole <laughs> time i was, and sometimes I forget i was mic'd up i'm like oh my god what, what, what did i say i'm in trouble but um he was nice to me he didn't play anything bad
0: (laughs) that's so funny yeah it was a totally different vibe and and narrative than tiger king thankfully
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so i wonder what he's up to next but he's he's a nice guy to work for um well yeah it was was really cool like the the emmys when we got there i i I texted the emmys people and i said hey i'm i'm a paralyzed and what am i going to be able to get up on stage like if i if they win and what's it like and he goes oh well the people that are going to win are going to be right in front of the steps, so they just step up and get there. So when I got to the Emmys, we were sitting way in the back, and so I was with my daughter, and I'm like, "Oh, we're not going to win." So I'm like, I, I had laughs. I think I was on my second margarita. I didn't, <laughs> didn't think we were going to win, and it's funny because I before I talked to my daughter, I said, "I don't know if I can make it up on the stage." She goes, "I'll piggyback you up there, Dad." And so I go, "What?" And so and so she. We're at. I'm at my house now. We were just right outside of this door, and she was practicing she could piggyback me all around the house no problem so that was the plan she was going to piggyback me up on the stage and then then I told her I, I don't think we're going to win we're f- way back here I told her the story that if we were up front that's where they said that the guys and then and then they called my name and then and then she was so excited my daughter was just crying and so I I just had to go so I went up on my crutches and I I navigated up there but it, it, it was a skinny little walkway and it, I was pretty nervous I forgot my whole speech by the time I got up there. They said you only had like um, 30 seconds to talk or they had to cut you out because they had so many people to get through. So I felt like it took me so long to get up there. And as soon as I got up there, I said, well, I think I wasted my 30 seconds on my walk up. So thank you. And uh, I didn't get to talk much because I just, I was I yeah. scared. So I just wanted to get off the stage, but. <laughs>
0: That's funny. That's a great story. Um, how much does an Emmy change your life?
1: Uh, I don't know if it changes it really, you know, i mean, do, do, you know, it's just, it's just nice to have. It's nice to sort of like, I mean, I guess for even all the other cameramen involved there, everyone didn't know that we did something cool enough to to be awarded an Emmy. So it's, it's really nice for the little team and stuff too. I mean, I don't know if it really changes your life at all. Um, I don't know, maybe though. We, I just got that one. So I'm not sure like if, if it's going to like lead to more work or, or something like that, but at least people know that we do do cool work.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I feel like you had kind of access to uh Lots of work, even prior yeah. to it. And anybody yeah. who needs a certain type of work done, you're like the guy, right? But yeah. but let's talk about that. You've done, you have dozens of Hollywood credits to your name, some that you've just kind of uh, rattled off throughout this conversation. And, but some of them are non-documentary. So narrative feature films, X-Men, Soul Surfer, Chasing Mavericks, obviously Avatar 2, I guess it is, the most recent one. Um, so your specialty is, of course ocean related stuff but I'm just curious do you have any interest in or ambition in venturing elsewhere and expanding kind of those credits beyond ocean related stuff
1: yeah I mean I, I mean basically I, I'm mostly ocean oriented but uh, I do do a little bit of everything before I got injured I was uh, I really into rock climbing so I, I climbed pretty much every big rock in the world and I really into mountaineering so I, I do miss that part that's one thing I'm like that I can't do um, being crippled I should say crippled, paralyzed, or disabled. Um, but um, I, I am thinking of trying to use these gimbals in in other areas, like you know, um, you know, in, in in rock climbing and different and areas like that. Because I, I am really into mountaineering and that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I definitely we do we do a lot of other like you know, like second unit stuff on different jobs, like blowing up stuff and pyrotechnics and kind of stuff like that. Okay. So it's not all just water, but um, it's definitely we're we're known for our water um expertise for sure
0: yeah um are you working on uh 100 foot wave season two
1: season three now
0: oh really okay
1: yeah. season three so season two is coming out now now we've been doing season three so you should see season two come out anytime now and we filmed that already and now we're doing season three so yeah it happens fast i can't believe it it's like just Time flies.
0: I can't believe it. it's already happened that fast too. Um, tell me about the logistical challenges of, because it seems, I understand what you're doing with um, Surfline and you probably have a tight crew and it's a smaller production, but the HBO thing seems like a huge production crew. So tell me about the logistical challenges of working with that size crew, but also aligning with the swells when they're happening because that requires a quick turnaround, right? How do you get everyone and all the gear somewhere?
1: Yeah, it's really hard. Like, so, you know, like the first year of of 100-Foot Wave, like, they, for, originally they wanted to do an IMAX movie of it. Oh, okay. The first thought. And then when I, I, I broke it all down and all the budgeted and showed them all the numbers of the IMAX movie, they're like, oh, my God. And then, then HBO got involved and they said, okay, they, they made this into a series. And um, I guess our biggest hurdle really was the logistics of it because um, we're here in Hawaii and then, you know, Portugal is quite far away. And you come to the winter season and then there's a swell and no swell, swell, no swell. So at first we were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then I said, this is silly. We, I just ended up saying, okay, let's just, there's going to be waves this year. We just stayed up there. So we just had most of the crew stayed up there. I I came back and forth a little bit, but we kind of relocated up there to just cover Nazare for the first year because the toughest thing is really kind of getting all that gear. It's just like a huge container full of gear to a location and then leave and then trying to get back to location going through customs and you know carnets and all these things it's it's quite difficult so at the end we decided to pretty much have a crew there based out of there and then we left our gear there and then if we had to go back and forth we left the gear there and just sit back and forth that was like kind of the only way to do it at Nazare because especially like you know with weather and, and 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 sometimes your bags don't make it like you get there and there's And in our business, you know, one you can have all the cameras there, but you could be missing the cables or this or one little thing or the media, and then you're just luck. So, and and it's so scary and stressful, like shipping. Did you get everything there, or did it get broken in transit? So, I found the best ways to try to leave your gear at these different locations, and that's kind of that's kind of how from what I learned there is kind of what I've brought into Surfline is I've kind of like pre-set up all these sites I think we're going to be going at and. And then, like so, Tahiti and stuff. We'll leave a lot of gear in Tahiti that we need that we know we can't get through customs because Tahiti is really hard to get through because when you land there, that their customs are very strict and they and they seem like to be like, oh, hold your gear for come back next Monday, and then of course you miss the swell, and then you get your gear and you're like, oh my God. So so we kind of set up stuff there ahead of time, and we'll do that for probably Fiji and Tavaru or something like that. Kind of like the main the main places we'll set up ahead of time. A little bit of gear and then we can just fly in when it gets good because when it really happens there's not much more time than really fly there set up the gear do a test and then go live yeah. you know, you know, the nature of the beast is just to be ready
0: it seems expensive
1: <laughs> it is expensive that's another thing it's quite expensive and then it's and it's scary i know for surf flying and stuff it's because like you pull the trigger and then you can you don't know what can happen in the weather and but they've been right on it they're that good for surfline is that good that um so if you're if if you're a surfer you should definitely have surfline um, as part of your arsenal to know where where and when to go surf because you can you can plan a surf trip anywhere in the world and if you if you're not looking at surfline you can get there and just have the worst trip because there's no waves or it's just some terrible weather or whatever but if you look at surfline and, and just follow you know they're their lead, they're kind of basically telling you when it's going to be good and when it's not. And if if you have the ability to stop your trip real quick or move it back or postpone it or something, then you should. So I think Surfline's very good for any surfer to have as part of their quiver, I guess, of tools to get the best rides.
0: Well, and to support via premium too, you know? Yeah. To fund a lot of this work. Um, Do you have any, or can you say how many events they have scheduled throughout the year in terms of kind of doing what you're doing with them
1: oh um, yeah yeah there, there is no scheduled amount it's basically whenever that's big and good we'll be there
0: amazing no matter where it is in the world
1: anywhere in the world where it's big and good we'll be there you know except for secret spots you know we're not going to do any. yeah any just, just we're only doing spots that everyone's seen a million times like jaws my man so so so, so all you surfers out there that um have your secret spot don't worry we're not going to show up and go live at your secret spot any day yeah um so come kill me
0: <laughs> no of course so give me a little bit of a introduction to what is salt and air studios and how many people do you have on staff and all that sort of stuff
1: so salt and air studios uh, is we, we basically make movies and commercials um mo- mostly in the action sports genre but not really action sports, but water-based um stuff around the world uh, we we specialize in underwater, above water, and aerial work. But we also do do gimbals and 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 like car shots. We have um, crane arms on top of cars, and we can do we do a little bit of everything. But we kind of like do we're kind of like niche is that we we're specializing these gimbals and these specialized you know water things. So like if you're just doing a regular shoot, you probably don't need us. But if you want to do something extra special, um, then we could probably help you out.
0: Got it. And how many? And are you the founder?
1: Yeah, I'm the founder, and and we have about seven of us right now. And Got then it. when we do our when we do and then when we do the regular thing, there's about thirty of us. Okay. But seven of us constantly, and then when 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 we do something big, it's like about thirty of us.
0: Gotcha. Um, kind of transitioning into more kind of closing related questions. Curious, what is the best surfing that you've ever witnessed?
1: Well, the best surfing I will ever witnessed. That's a hard one because I mean I like I like all surfing. So sometimes I like to watch the you know the guys do the aerials and the, the, you know, you see this really good stuff like at, at Jeffrey's Bay or, or Trestles, guys doing all this stuff. But I guess deep down inside of me, I like to see really big waves and, and heavy waves. And I mean, there's a couple of days, like early days, I, I've you know, um we kind of discovered back in the day with Laird and those guys' jaws and stuff. So there's some some pretty um, you know interesting days I witnessed back in the day when we were first out of Jaws and there was only one or two boats and no one really knew about it and there was just it, no one it was so new that it was it, it, it I feel it's like it's so fresh in my memory because it was like oh my god I can't believe we're doing this and now it's just like everyone's doing it so um, so I mean it's hard I guess it's hard to say I mean because I mean bringing it all the way up to, to pick an exact day it's really hard because of, you know, the small waves and then all those good days with Laird and stuff back when when no one did it. And now we just had the, the Eddie Aikau. And I think that's, I, I've, I've been at every Eddie call and I filmed them and swam them all all these years. But this last Eddie call was, to me, it was the best, biggest and uh, um, big wave surfing um, in a contest I've ever seen.
0: And the best storyline that I've ever seen in a contest too with Luke winning.
1: Oh my gosh, you know what? It's like, I was thinking, like, because we brought women into it this year, too. You know, I talked to that Cal family and we said, hey, let's let's bring women not like, you know, like WSL has a, the women's event. And I mean, they, they like a they pipeline, they have the women and the men. So the women all go out and they surf against the women and the men go out. And I go, let's put them together and just like full equality. Now there's no, so that I and I thought, boy, it's gonna be really cool if a, if a girl actually catches a big wave and wins it. And I thought that it was possible. Yeah, and it totally. could happen. And then, um, I never even thought about Luke coming from behind working that lifeguard tower that day. And then, and, and winning it like on his breaks. I mean, it's yeah. And he's such a nice guy too. So um, yeah, I I, I think it'd be hard to write anything better than that. It was awesome.
0: It is. I mean, the story we didn't know we needed in surfing, you know what I mean? Like, and his backstory too, when you look into it and he's surfed the trials event at pipeline, got a 10 for the WSL event, you know, like he's, got all of the pedigree to cue him up to do what he was doing. And of course the Eddie I the namesake of the event having been the first North shore lifeguard. So just everything about it. And he's so yeah. humble too. Like so gracious, yeah. everything that he's done since then, yeah. he has just lived up to casual Luke. You know the guy who we want to see win. So
1: yeah, no, he's such a good guy. And, and yeah, it's just it's just an amazing guy. And we we actually made a shirt for the iCals and we kind of used the idea of the um the lifeguard logo, and then we kind of made it the Eddie ICAL, but it has a lifeguard looking to it. so it's kind of cool. And I, I can't wait to see a shot of him wearing that shirt. It's cool. Awesome. if you ever want to get some good, I'll I'll send you one of the shirts, but um yeah, you can um
0: that'd be amazing. Icals,
1: they're, they're, I'd, they're be,
0: amazing yeah. I'd be proud to have that. Um so for the record, can I state that you were the one who had the idea to integrate or to make it a man and women's open division? Yeah. yeah. Congrats. That's a great idea. That's really yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's. I think it's kind of interesting. Cause like, I mean, it's just so cool that they a surfing side by side and just totally, like, I mean, and it just like, it puts I mean, like it, it takes all the quality out of anything it just, and it's, and it should be done. Like, like, you know, way back when surfing was invented, like, you know, in, in Hawaii, women were part of it. They surfed, you know, as royalty, they surfed. And so to have them kind of all together again and all this stuff's happened through the world and now they're out there surfing together in the biggest, best waves together. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's epic. Um, so I asked you, what's the best surfing you ever witnessed? And you couldn't pinpoint a name, but let me rephrase it and ask you, who are among the most impressive surfers that you've witnessed? Like who are the the standouts that you look back and go Laird or Kai or Kelly or whomever?
1: Yeah, boy, um, this is another tough question, but yeah, of course, you know Kelly. You know, I was on tour with Kelly the whole time, and then and then you have and and when I was on tour, it was like really a a battle between Kelly and Andy Irons, and so and Andy's a good friend of mine and Bruce. So I all those guys are so good, and and it's so and then and then Laird is always like the, you know, and Shane Dorian, it was like the. The big wave guys and they kind of like brought in the big wave surfing it was separate from the contest surfing so everyone had their their little areas so i think god it's again i don't, I don't know who i could say is the very best because then now like laird started it and then like you do this hundred foot wave like um derek found this wave in Nazareth but then now i think kyle lenny is gonna rip it up because i think kyle lenny is really to me he's the best all-around guy he from paddling windsurfing, and he's just. And and big wave sur- and, and big wave surfing, I think he's the the, the guy to watch because yeah, he he in, 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 incorporates all his other um, tricks from like kiteboarding, windsurfing, like doing flips on waves and all this stuff. And I know he's trying to do a double backflip on a wave this year, so he's going to bring it to the next level. So and it was nice because when we first um, found Jaws, Kai was like a little kid and he was like a little grown on the boat with his dad watching, and and now to see him like. The man, and he is so humble as well. So I love all those guys. Really, they're all, yeah. they're all awesome, and they all have their own. I think all of them together make the best one guy or whatever. They they're all just so good. And if if one guy didn't push that guy, he wouldn't do there. And, and I think all these guys pushing to do whatever their passion was. If it was regular surfing, aerials, or big wave riding. These guys have all come together, and they're always combining everything together. And and I think that's why I think Kyle is really taking all of that and put it into one package.
0: Yeah. Great point. Um, are you a big film fan, like Hollywood film fan? Yeah. Yeah. Considering the work that you do, I was just curious if, uh, if you had a passion for the medium itself. So I'm curious, are there any film directors that you would love to work with?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I mean, I work with Catherine Bigelow. She's awesome. Um,
0: what did and, you work with her on?
1: Um, I did a Chanel commercial um, with Catherine Bigelow.
0: The one and, with Danny Fuller? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't
0: yeah, know was, that was-
1: it, it, Yeah, that was me, yeah. And then it was fun because we actually filmed here on, in Yokohama and then Catherine did all these shots. And then she showed me this one underwater shot I had of Kalab body surfing in Tahiti from behind the wave and he's just like behind the wave. And she goes, did you get this shot? I go, no, the water's not good at, for at Yokohama. The, she goes okay. Well, I go. We did that in Tahiti, and that's like the only place that's the clear water. She goes okay. Get your crew and go down to my private jet and get on there, and we're going to go to Tahiti. So we went down to Catherine Bigelow's private jet and went to Tahiti and filmed this that same just that one shot to add to that it's it's commercial. Was awesome to work with, you know. But I mean, I, maybe Cameron. I'm James Cameron. Um, I, I I mean Ridley Scott. I Tony Scott was a good friend of mine, and he, he's gone. But Ridley would be good to work with as well. So uh, yeah, I think Ridley Cameron. I don't know. I love them all.
0: Did you spend time directly with uh, James Cameron for Avatar?
1: No, uh, no, no. no. I, I just did. I just, they, um, they came to me with the idea of how to make these things move underwater. So I, I showed them these, I, I, I did that soul surfer with Bethany Hamilton. Yeah. They had these underwater sea bobs that they, 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 those <laughs> that I told you about, they go really fast underwater. So I just <laughs> mentioned some of those to them. their production and then they liked it then i rented them more and then and then they ended up buying a bunch themselves so i i just had a small part in that so i i didn't get to immerse myself in there but james i wish i could have but um that was actually right in the midst of my whole rehab stuff too but it's all those underwater movements of those things is from the sea bobs
0: gotcha um let's uh offer up two shout outs before we go uh photographer dana emmons is the one who connected you and i so we owe a big thanks to dana shout out
1: yes D- dana Edmonds is awesome and um he um he such a cool guy he, he, he he'd take pictures of me a long time ago we did this Honahoe magazine and he'd taken pictures of me and he's he's just such a humble and uh, honestly the nicest guy in the world
0: awesome so definitely
1: yeah. shout out to dana dana Edmonds. he's amazing cameraman yeah absolutely and, amazing and, and it's just the yeah. nicest guy in the world
0: and instagram is dana photo f-o-t-o for anybody who wants to follow that and then also you mentioned earlier larry haynes passed away uh just less than i think two weeks ago who was another very important north shore based cinematographer so are there any thoughts or sentiments that you'd like to share about larry or larry's stories maybe
1: yeah, I, um, you know, Larry Larry and I grew up sh- shooting together. We were swimming for, you know, 35 years together, basically all around the world doing the same thing. And so we we spent a lot of time together and he was a really, really good friend. And um, a month ago before we were shooting a TV commercial for Netflix at Sunset Beach, and uh, one of our good friends was working with us named Glenn and, and he died of a heart attack right next to me and Larry. Um, this is like a month maybe a month and a half ago and he had a heart attack and then it was just, just just instantly died and larry was there we couldn't revive him and then and then larry actually got his heart checked he says my ticker's good and then wow i don't know what happened but he just just yeah a week and a half ago he, he had a massive heart attack and is and he's the he was a you know a really good friend and i mean it's hard for me to not get choked up talking about it but he yeah it, it, it was um he was a, a beast of a photographer, like he would charge out there and just do this amazing work. And it was a great guy to work with. Um, me and him have gone through so many crazy storms and just like survived like huge waves at Waimea and pipeline and all around the world and then these crazy things. And and then um, he went surfing Lani and then he got out of the water and he um, died of a massive heart attack right at his car. And it, it, a, Kind of interesting story about that is <clears throat> excuse me, is um the lifeguards called Brian Bielman and said, Hey, can you grab his board and paddle? You know, they had his paddle after I guess trying to do his CPR or something. So we got it when we got his paddle and board back on his paddle, had a GoPro and and Larry actually f- filmed his last ride. Got a really good ride, and filmed this whole ride. And then, he, and then he reached up and turned off his GoPro on this big, huge smile. And then he paddled him and had a heart attack. But so he actually caught his last—he filmed this last ride—and then right before his death. So it was kind of—it um, was kind of nice to see that, and uh, I mean, just to know that he was happy right before that happened. Yeah. And And um, I think, I, whatever age you are, you should keep an eye on your heart because I mean, it, you can—you know—you you just never know. And that's one thing that you can get checked. And you can probably save yourself. And I don't know why Larry got checked, but maybe they didn't do a proper checkout. But because um, I actually wouldn't just did my whole MRI and like, ultrasound and everything, just because I think you got to go deeper into it. Because if you just get a EKG, it doesn't really find what could be festering inside of there. And, you know, mm. eat healthy and, and exercise because um, life is short. And I mean, he was in such good health and you just never know how, at a, you know, flip
0: of a dime it could be over that's a great psa reminder for people um but yeah that him being a cinematographer and having caught his last wave himself is such a poignant thing and yeah. it's such a beautiful ride and uh yeah it's incredible um last time i was on the north shore was uh, right before covid it's like february 2020 and i actually stayed at larry's place
1: Oh man, see, so you know, you know, we are we do have this this coming up Sunday, the 26th is going to be his paddle out at Sunset Beach at 11 a.m. So if anyone is in Hawaii or if you can get here, um, Sunset Beach on the 26th, we'll do a paddle out for Larry. And I think he has a GoFundMe. If if anyone's out there, you can help out the family because I know that they're they they do need help. So, um, maybe keep an eye out for that as well.
0: Yeah, I'll push that out too. Um, yeah, his uh, is he still? Is his dog Luna still around?
1: yeah you know, I'm not sure because I remember before he had Buddy, okay. and then let's see. Um, I think so though. I think Luna might be around. I have my dog. My dog is like 18 years old, and she just does little circles and like, the door slurs. But she probably would have wandered in here. But it's like,
0: yeah, it's
1: amazing. Animals are amazing, man. They get like my dog is blind, deaf. She can't smell, and she, her back legs are going, but she never complains or nothing. she just like, so happy, yeah. struggles, and it's like. I mean, I wish people could be like that. I mean, it's just totally. amazing.
0: Totally. Yeah, that um Larry himself was a highlight of uh of that week, but his dog Luna too was such a great addition. Yeah. Spending yeah, Luna
1: Luna's awesome. And um yeah, I was so glad you got to spend a little time with Larry there at his house because yeah. like, he's such a cool guy. And he just he's one of those just just larger than life people. I and mean, he he talked with his hand and, and just he was just like He was just so uplifting and just amazing guy.
0: Well, it's been great to see the tributes that everybody has posted as well to him. I don't know if you're on social media or not, but um, yeah, not a bad word said. And, you know, you and he both, like your contributions to surfing are immeasurable and so deeply woven into all of surfing's tapestry that it would be impossible to figure out what surfing would look like without both of your contributions, so um I can't think, be yeah, it, it,
1: it's crazy I, you know that the day he died someone, you know your photo just your phone just sends you these photo memories yeah so when he died i got this photo memory but it was a, a, it was a collage but it had sonny miller larry Haynes, and me on a, on a collage picture together and i was just like oh my god like I, i'm like the last one of these this little group here um alive and before both sonny miller and larry were always just so bummed that i was paralyzed and felt i know they felt so bad for me and they were so worried about me and then now they're both gone and i'm still alive and i and I, I feel like it's not fair
0: yeah it's not man apple knows everything huh
1: i know <laughs> say,
0: no, before the, before it's news of not larry even it. yeah, it's just got like, out there apple already now yeah, i'll send you the picture it's just crazy but it's just oh like, i'd love to see that the, yeah. um well, final question is related to your personal surf experience, which is, uh, what kind of boards are you writing now? And what was the last board that you wrote?
1: Yeah, right now I'm writing these, these, um, paddle boards. Um, um, and I just got them custom made for my friends. It's making me these, these little, they're kind of like a surfboard, a little spot for my feet and I can just sit there and paddle around. So I just have um, my, my friend, Mike, um, grary's ma- making them but he, he just he's just like a backyard guy so no one really knows him but um yeah um i don't know but the, it's gone. the surfboards have gotten so fancy and it's it's amazing to see just what people ride and what they can do like technology is just amazing so the when, foils you say, and stuff,
0: when you say paddleboard like a prone paddle style board
1: kind of like kind of like a like a kayak looking but, but it's, yeah yeah but it is like a prone it's like a long board but you sit on it basically and like a, I, I, Is, an adapted longboard
0: does it have like a concave in the deck or anything like yeah, that a little bit
1: a little okay. bit a little concave in the deck and a couple little spots for my feet and so i can kind of like strap them in there and then um i had other i have, had a, a bunch of other different types i've been trying with but that's been working the best for me it's a regular kind of board so i can you know make turns and and i can get out of it because i the other ones i was having problems because i was kind of strapped in there and you never know you know what might happen if you're Kind of get a little crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And are they, what are, what's the length in general?
1: Uh, the ones I want to know, I think it's a eight, two. Or okay. Eight. Yeah. So not too and
0: big. What's the fin setup? Thruster. Awesome. Well, uh, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time and filling us in. And I'm psyched to hear about the surfline thing.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. And yeah, it was really a pleasure talking to you. And, and thank Thanks. you, Dana, for putting us together. Yeah, and then let me know your shirt size too, and I'll get you one of those um, Luke Shepherdson shirts for you.
0: I would love that. Seriously.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. You'll like it with the, with the Lifeguard logo and stuff.
0: Right on. Right on. Well, thanks again, Mike, and congrats too on all the success, man. You're killing uh, thank
1: it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to see, um, hear your podcast and stuff. I'm excited.
0: Right on. Thanks.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Aloha. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: You don't come here. My date when you come
1: around You know I love you Something awful You're a diamond I have
0: fun Wish I had not said
1: that bed If I could only Close you out At night Sunset passes it's so sweet
0: Mike has an Instagram account that looks like it hasn't been updated in um, quite some time but his salt and air studios account is active so if you want to get a hold of Mike you can do it there or just go to saltinairstudios.com That's salt and then just the letter N, saltnairstudios.com. Or if you work in this space and you're looking to hire a team that does what he does, I'm sure that you already know who he is and how to get a hold of him because they are the best in class. Thank you, Mike Prickett. Mike Prickett's a name that I have heard in the surf space my entire life back when he was shooting the ASP stuff. Um, so And I've followed his work through the feature films. I've always been rooting for him just to see kind of how somebody transitions from the surf world into the much greater world and landscape. So I've been thrilled to watch that happen and now even more thrilled to be able to have a conversation with Mike and get to know him a little bit. So thank you, Mike Prickett, for taking the time. Thank you, Dana Edmonds, for reaching out and making this connection happen. That is why our little podcast community is so cool it's completely reliant on you the listeners so thank you all for all of your contributions thank you to our sponsors by the way linkedin.com slash surf uh, real water sports is always with us realwatersports.com athleticgreens.com slash surf is always with us as well And we just have so many other great brands that support us and that we're thrilled to partner with from Florence Marine X to Sunbum to Veyer watches to Need Essentials, NVS Fins, all of you. We appreciate you always. And to our many listeners who support us for $5 a month, we could not do this without you. Your contributions beyond that are noted and appreciated and keep the show running from week to week between creative kind of flow of sending ideas and concepts to helping connect with guests like this through just being supportive with your appreciation. So thank you all, surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you find everything you could support. You could find our entire past archive of work that is available for free. Surf Stories by the boys at the Florida Surf Film Festival just posted new episodes these last two weeks. Justin J over on the plug also released two new episodes, one with Nathan Florence from two weeks ago and then another with Tinker Hatfield. Uh, from last week. So go and grab those. Then of course, Scott Bass and I published an episode of Spit this week, and I'll be back with Chess Smith over on The Grit at the end of the week. So lots of content for you to devour. And that's it. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I'll be back here next week with an all new episode. All right. Until then, get back into the ocean, share some waves, and as always, shred on.